I'm Rowdy McLean, and this is the Player Bigger Game podcast, the place you come to for tips, tricks, ideas, and interviews that will help you drive your goals and dreams towards their destination. And we have got a fabulous guest today. I'm really, really excited to have this person on the show. They are Australia's coolest psychologist and uh, no doubt you've seen the photo so you get where I'm going with this but uh, not only is Alison Australia's coolest psychologist she's uh, already written one book called Dealing with the Tough Stuff together with her husband Darren and a guy called Dr Sean Richardson but the really exciting news is she's got a brand new book that's going to hit the stores in October but you can pre-order it now, and we're sure to find out some more information about that. But welcome, Alison Hill, to the Player Bigger Game podcast. Thanks, Rowdy. It's great to be here and great to be chatting with you. Yeah, I think it's awesome to have somebody with your skills and insights on the show. Which uh, It's not often we get to tap into the mind of a psychologist and uh, how... Without a couch, right? Without a couch, <laughs> No, great to be here. And learn how those voices in our heads shape what we're able to achieve. And so uh, let's kick off with play bigger game means so much, uh, so many different things to different people. What does playing a bigger game mean to Alison Hill? Oh, Rowdy, I love it. And I love your call to action around just getting people to play a bigger game. And and that question, you know, what it, what does it mean to you? Because you're right, it's so many different things to different people. For someone, it might just be, um, how do I how do I say yes to, um, you know, something small that I want to tap into? And for someone else, it might be, how do I actually start a business? Or how do I um, go on an epic physical kind of quest? So I think it means it is that varsity around, like, what is it that's courageous for you? But Rowdy... I've got to share with you, um, you you know my family, you know my kids, so it's my son Patrick's ninth birthday today, which is, you know, really cool and as a mum it's always like he was, you know, nine years ago I became a mum and we became a family. It was really, really cool. But this is a nine-year-old kid. When I think about what it means to play a bigger game, we've just finished watching the Rio Olympics, right, and we've been full Olympic fever in our house. And Pat is a very determined, very focused, loves his sport, always has a ball of some description in his hand that he's bouncing around. Um, And two days ago I walked into his bedroom and he's written a poem which he's put up at the top of his uh, bed. And I'd love to read this to you because for me I think this is what captures Play a Bigger Game. So is it okay if I read the poem to you? Yeah. So this is Patrick's poem, nine-year-old Patrick. Um, The poem is, I've got a big dream to win. I'm not putting the gold in the bin. I'm going to the Olympic Games And I hope I learn all the athletes' names, (laughs) which is just, I mean, it's so him. He's so determined. But not only is he going to win a gold medal, but he's going to learn everyone's game. So name, I mean, when you talk about play a bigger game, that sums it up for me right there. (laughs) That is so awesome. Nine years old, writing poems, dreaming of going to the Olympics. And we've all been there, haven't we? We've all had our hopes and dreams. I don't know that I ever put mine into a poem. But, uh, so I just want to do a quick shout out to, to the, the uh, 19-year-old Pat that's at the Olympic Games. Just remember when your mum was on the Play a Bigger Game podcast <laughs> reading this poem. So how, uh, have you spoken to Pat about the poem yet? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I spoke to him a couple of days ago when I saw it and then last night, because it's his birthday, we've got other family around, Darren's parents and my brother's come down. So we shared it with, with them and it's it's what's so awesome and I think kids are such a mirror for how we just sometimes need to get out of our own mindsets and our own crap, right? Um, and so his pride in sharing that poem with his uncle and his uh, Grammy and Pop was huge. He, he wasn't shying away from it. It wasn't, uh, it's, you know, in his mind as a nine-year-old kid, it's just a fate of complete. It's just, I've just got, you know, there's a time will come and it will just happen. Whereas I think as adults, part of why we don't even play a bigger game is we don't even dare to put ourselves out there. We, we have these kind of mindsets or these beliefs that, oh, I think, this might be kind of nicer. I might like to do this and it does light something up, but I better not say it in case it doesn't happen. I better not put it out there. We, we just have this fear. But um, when I look at it through the eyes of Pat, it's just full of possibility. And, uh, you know, as a psychologist, you can't, I wish I could bottle it and hand it out in pills to people because that, that just belief in possibility is so fundamentally huge um, in being able to step up and play a bigger game. And I hope that nobody has trod on his dreams. So, mm-hmm. so that so often happens, whether it's a, a friend at school or or an adult who doesn't understand the, the idea of play a bigger game or possibility in the way that you do, can often tread on... Um, you know, a little boy's dreams, but not only that, a young adult's dreams as well. Do you think that happens much? Yes, I think it happens all the time. Um, and I think most adults that we come across have got scars um, in, the, in the past. And someone who has, where they had an idea or a dream and they, they went with full um, unabandoned enthusiasm and shared it with someone and it got cut down. And we carry those scars with us. And I think that's part of why we don't dare to to put those big dreams or that big ambition or even the even the small stuff out here, like even the small stuff of hey, I might take up painting or I might start playing golf, but I was I was really I wasn't that great at it. Or the kid that played I played I painted next to in year ten was so much better than me, so why why should I ever bother to pick it up again? Um, so yeah, I think it happens and we most adults have got those scars um, from our childhood or from, you know, times past. I actually heard, I think it was Elizabeth Gilbert um, who had a book come out last year called Big Magic and she said the fears that we have and partly why we don't step up and and play these big games is, um, you know, we have these fears that will be cut down but the The truth is that probably the thing that we're scared of the most has probably already happened to us, whether it's a teacher that's cut us down, a parent, another adult, a um, classmate, someone else, that that fear has probably already happened to us. And so where we can actually, I guess, recognise that and go, well, how do I, how can I go, okay, that's, that's what it was, but it doesn't have to define what I do next. Um, and I think that's that's what's really powerful. Yeah, and I think all of us have had somebody who've, who've walked all over our dreams at some stage. And so <laughs> even the listeners, I reckon all the listeners can identify with um, having hopes and dreams like young Pat has and having somebody walk all over them. What's your tip, one tip on what to do about that? How do you deal with that? How do you get over it? 
Yeah, it's such a good question. <laughs> I think, I mean, I guess what comes to mind in the moment, so if, if that happens now um, or, you know, in the next, in the last week or recently, one of the ways to address it would be I would be really discerning about who's giving that information um, and is it actually worthwhile listening to? Um, so is this someone who has your best interest in heart? Is this someone that knows what's important to you and what matters to you? Is this someone who's also courageously playing a bigger game? Because if it's no to any of those, then as hard as it is, I would dismiss what they're saying. Um, thank you for the, the you know, the, the little bit and thank you for saying it, but it's not what I need to hear right now. And it sounds easier to say than do, um, but that's that would be my, my one tip. Absolutely. So hang out with people who lift you up, not with people who drag you down. Yeah, absolutely. And all of us need to have that, um, the people who are in our corner who who can tell it as it is from time to time. Like we, sometimes we need that reality check, but they need to be coming from the right place for us. And I believe they also need to be playing a bigger game themselves. So they need to know what it takes to have that courage to step up. And then I would go, okay, uh, I, I'm listening to, to what you've got to say. Yeah, yeah. So uh, don't take financial advice from somebody driving around in a 30-year-old car or health no. advice from somebody who's 30 kilos overweight and smokes cigarettes after cigarette so be careful about who you accept important advice from yeah exactly yeah and i think the other thing that i really want to talk to you about so playing a bigger game is about change there's no doubts it's about changing your mindset changing your activities changing your routines because if you want to create something worth having and it's different to what you've got right now something needs to change are they is there any particular way or ideas behind embracing change, do you think? I think, I mean, when I think about my whole career working in kind of clinical settings and then most recently working with organisational leaders, all of it, what, what underpins all of it has been supporting people transition through change. And you're completely right. Anytime we we have that courage to step up and do something different, um, then, yeah, the reason why is we, we want, we're saying that there's something about what's happening right now. I want it to be different. Um, so I want change to to be part of where I'm heading to. I think how we embrace change is coming back to, for me, it's two things. It's it's about why we're doing what we're doing. Why, why do we want this change? What's the purpose that sits behind it? Some of that might be big life purpose, but it also might just be what's the purpose about why I'm I'm picking up the phone to talk to the boss at nine o'clock on Tuesday morning. Is it that I'm doing it, you know, with a clear intent or is it just that I've always done it that way? So questioning um, our behaviours and why we're doing them. And when we get clear on why, I think that helps us. The second part of it is that I reckon we need to be making progress. So change and our motivation to keep changing and to recognise that change is working is when we feel like we're moving forward, that what I've done today is actually, um, you know, I'm making progress. I'm not, I just haven't had a day where I've been busy or I haven't done anything that's moving me towards what that change is. So we need to have that mapped out around what am I, what am I doing today? 
today that's going to be stepping me into that new new life, that new um, action that I want to be stepping into. So if it's a physical, uh, like if you want to learn, if you want to run a marathon, then it, you need to know why you want to do it because that's what's going to get you out of bed. And then you need to have a plan to know that you're making progress. So what's your 12-week running plan? What am I doing today? that's actually going to be um, moving me towards those goals. So for me, it's around those two things, purpose, why this, and progress, what's next, what am I doing next. We're talking to a unique group of people here, that, you know, people that want to chase down their hopes and dreams, that are courageous enough and confident enough to do the things that most people won't do. And I love that question that you just posed is, what am I doing today that's going to take me closer to my dreams? Awesome. Awesome. And, And... so we talked about people walking all over our dreams and our hopes and dreams and they, I've talked to them about them in a previous podcast about dream stealers but I think sometimes we um, we trash our own hopes and dreams. Do you think that happens? Absolutely, absolutely. We're some of the biggest sabotages ourselves. We're the first one before it even and sometimes even when it does come out of our mouth or we write it in a journal or we put it down somewhere, we're the first ones to go oh, yeah, but I'm not good enough or I can't get around to it or maybe, you know, I'll get around to it later. But, you know, once once I've tidied the house or once I've lost five kilos, once I've got the perfect job, once I've got the perfect partner, like we absolutely sabotage ourselves all the time. It's like we wait for for life to be perfect um, in order for that thing that we, we deserve or that bigger game that we want to play, then I'll do that. Um, and life's way too short. We just can't be waiting anymore to, for, I mean, perfect just doesn't come, right, Rowdy? Like, it's just not there. So, yeah, I think we've got to give ourselves a reality check and go, even amongst the busyness, even amongst the way life is now, yes, I can step up. Yes, I can and have that courage to, to play a bigger game. Have the courage to stand out, and we'll talk about that in a minute. I just wanted to throw it in because it fitted nicely on the end of that conversation. So those of you that are listening, listen out for those two words again later in the podcast, stand out. We've got to have a chat about that. But, um, you know, we get busy. We get really, really busy. And uh, do you think we're too busy? Do you think we take on too much or do you think we're capable of doing everything? Um, always, no, there's a quote. It's, you can do everything, you just can't do it all at once. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> it's a good question. Are we too busy? Because um, I don't know that we're any. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to be controversial here. I don't think, know that we're any more busy than we were, say, 20 years ago, 50 years ago. There was always stuff to do, and yet we are we are living smack bang in the middle of a relentless change environment, and we're living in a space and place where I think busy in some ways has become that that status symbol you know we when we when you first meet someone you know how are you oh i'm so busy and our our shoulders slump and our our voice kind of drops and we we assume the busy kind of position but when and you would know people too rowdy and even for yourself people who are who are playing a bigger game, who are passionately lit up about what they're doing. They're crazy busy, but, geez, we can get a lot done when we're really focused on on the end goal, what we're wanting to achieve and where we want to go. So I actually don't think it's about a war on busyness. For me, the war is actually on attention because our attention gets pulled in a million different directions 
all the time through social media, on the phones, on um, you know, marketing. Like we've got, I think we've, we're constantly having a million different things that we're being asked to do, whether it's to check emails, whether to go to meetings, to have conversations with people in our organisations. Um, and yet we, we've lost, I think, the the uh, the personal call to go, okay, where am I going to choose to give my attention rather than have that attention taken away all the time? So, yeah, I'm going to be a bit controversial and say I don't think we're too busy. I think what trips us up is that we end up focusing on the things maybe that don't matter or that don't light us up or aren't moving us towards that goal. We go day after day after day where we're not doing anything towards that goal uh, and busy becomes the the panacea that that kind of sums up well why I haven't achieved what I, I want to achieve because I'm I'm too busy. But it's really we haven't prioritised where we want to give our attention in that space. Is that something you you see? It's almost like busyness is the gold medal of the modern world. So. <laughs> You know, I wear it around my neck, and as soon as you ask me what's going on, I'm happy to show you the medal and go, "I'm so busy." And I, I love the idea of of choosing what you give your attention to. So it's, it, that can be actually saying no. I, I had a few years ago, I had the year of no, where I pretty much said no to everything unless it met a strict set of parameters that I was willing to participate under, I would say no to all sorts of things. So I wouldn't discount my services. I, I wouldn't go and have a coffee just for the sake of having coffee. I, I wouldn't waste a day playing golf with somebody I didn't want to play with. All my friends and, and my clients hated the year of no, but it was an <laughs> awesome year for me. Do you yeah. think that's a good idea? Yeah, love it, love it, it's because then you get to choose where you give your attention to and I think it is it's that the ability to set boundaries for ourselves um because because we are there is so much relentless um you know change and you know from our workplaces from our families from our you know home life from expectations around society so I've got two young kids a nine-year-old um as of today and a six-year-old and so there is an expectation that even as a mum and as a parent that they should be doing something after school every every single day, that they should be going to sport, they should be doing swimming, they should be going piano. And, um, and so with that comes that absolute exhaustion at the end of the week unless I'm the one who's setting boundaries. So no one's coming to me going, oh, Alison, how about you just have, you know, get you and your kids just have Thursdays off and just chill out. No one's going to tap me on the shoulder and do that. So I need to be able to have the courage, I think, to set those boundaries around what's okay and what's not okay. And when we do that, I actually think we give others permission to do the same. <laughs> so I think in some ways where your friends might have hated your year of no rowdy, I think sometimes people hate it because it's almost like this is a mirror that goes, oh, actually I'm allowed to say no as well rather than say yes and resent it. So I think, yeah, it's such a powerful um, and cool example of how important it is to say no sometimes. If you're going to play a bigger game, then you need to do things that other people either refuse to do, can't do, or won't do. Mm, yeah. It's, and, and you're right, that becomes a mirror for other people to go, oh, actually, I could do that. I could give that a shot. I, I want to come back to that area of focus. So I, I get that there are some things that you should say no to, but how do we, how do we get focus on the right stuff? How do we make that choice? Values. So what's important to you? Um, and really doing that, it's almost the internal personal work and going, look, what matters? What 
what's important to me, what what do I need? Um, it was probably 12 months ago I had a friend and colleague that said to me, she said, oh, for the next week your, your project is I want you to sit down and I want you to write down what's the stuff that nurtures your soul, what's the stuff that's really, really key to you. And it was really disarming because I kind of expected her to go, you know, I want you to write down your big goals and where you want to head and, and like, I've, I've got those and I've got them written down. I think they're really important for people to do, but it kind of threw me off a bit. She wasn't asking me about the big goal. She was going, what's the stuff that really nurtures your soul that's, that, that's important to you even in your week? And as I did the the assignment um, throughout my week, what I found was it was the little things in life. It was being able to go for a swim in the ocean. It was hearing my kids laugh. It was um, sitting in the sun and eating my lunch. And what I realized after that week was all of these things were 100% in my control and that I can schedule them into my week. So I think it's really important to do both scheduling activities around your big goal every day. I also think it's really important to schedule in what's that stuff that re-energizes you that does kind of for want of a bit of a woo-woo way of saying it, but nurtures your soul that kind of recharges you that then gives you the energy to go and play a bigger game to turn up and keep putting that energy in time and time again. I think some people, when they they listen to the podcast or they talk to Rowdy, they think that playing a bigger game is some big, massive, you know, hairy, audacious achievement like uh, going to the Olympics or... Yeah, that's right, <laughs> which it, it is and can be, but yeah. Absolutely. But sometimes it, it's uh, remembering there are little things that feed your soul and, and playing a bigger game is sometimes making time to do that stuff. I love that idea of, you know, having lunch in the sun, having a chat to your kids, hearing them laugh, you know, watching the footy, having a cup of coffee. You know, there's, there are lots of little things that you can put into your life that are part of setting you up to play a bigger game because they nurture who you are. Absolutely. And I think we, um, I think these, in this, again, in this pursuit of busy, we can, we lose sight of that and we, we leave it for Christmas holidays. Um, and the problem is we fall into those holidays absolutely exhausted at the end of our tether and we don't end up really enjoying them. So one of the things that I talk about, um, in, in my, in, when I kind of call people to say, how are you going to stand out is what are the ways that you can hit, hit reset, hit, Hit, hit the reset button amongst the busyness rather than waiting for the busyness to finish because it's not going to go away. Um, and so when I think about hitting the reset button, I often pe- often say to people, think about what's in your toolkit, that if you've only got 30 seconds or 90 seconds in the middle of a crazy busy day, how can you hit reset? And often that is just quiet space, three deep breaths, really ground yourself where you are and then get back into it. It might be gratitude. It might just be pausing for 30 seconds and go, wow, what's really cool about the moment I'm in right now? Um, And then what might be in your your toolkit if you had five minutes uh, or if you had 10 minutes, you might go and have a quick chat to a colleague or a quick debrief around something. It might be having a quick chat to your kids and having a laugh, watching the latest cat video on YouTube, whatever it is. Um, And then if you have a lunch break, then what you can do on your weekend. And then what are those ways to hit reset, whether it's once every 90 days or once a year. So I think it's a really nice way to think about, you know, hitting reset 
for that really short, sharp periods of time. And then one of those ways you can engineer that in your year as well. I love the idea of having a, a little toolkit. Because sometimes we go, oh, you know, I'm most relaxed when I go to yoga, but can't always get to yoga. And so I think the idea of having a little toolkit of things like whether it's two minutes, five minutes, 15 minutes, an hour or a day, having a toolkit of things that help you when you get off the merry-go-round to really disconnect instead of just getting off the merry-go-round and still continuing to spin around. I love that concept. Alison, we could talk to you all day and uh, we'll definitely get you back on the show. But I want to tell everybody about the fabulous book that you've got coming out. It's called Stand Out and it will be out in October, but you can pre-order it right now and you're mad if you don't. Alison is Australia's coolest psychologist and she's got some ideas in there that will simply blow your mind, help you play a much bigger game. If somebody wants to get hold of and pre-order that book, where should they go? So you can go to my website, alisonhill.com.au, and you'll see on the front page there's a link to the book. So you can pre-order the book today. Um, And, yeah, look, it really is that call to how do we, I think the tagline there, how do we become the boss of busy rather than the other way around. So a lot of the concepts we've spoken about today go into much more depth in the book. Awesome. So instead of getting around with the gold medal of busy on your chest is some strategies to understand how you don't need to have it as a badge of honour. In fact, you can be in complete control of it. Absolutely. Awesome. I look forward to getting my hands on a copy of that book. Alison B, it's fantastic having you on the show, giving people tips, tricks, ideas about how they can play a bigger game. We'll get you back on the show real soon. If uh, you're listening to the podcast and you would like to leave us a comment, do that. I will respond to every single one of them. If you would like to be one of those lucky people that gets on the podcast and talks about how they implemented some of the ideas, tips and tricks, then send me an email to podcast at rowdymcclain.com. Perhaps you'll put some of the stuff that Alison has shared with us today at work and I'd love to have a conversation with you on the podcast in the future so other people see how that you've applied that. And then I just want to finish off with giving a massive thank you to all of the listeners that have been sharing the podcast. Last Thursday, we had 367 people sign up to the podcast in just one morning. You guys are fantastic. I love your work. Thank you so much for sharing it. Continue to share it. Continue to give me your ideas about how the podcast can play a bigger game, how we can get better, do things differently, share information and ideas that help you chase down your hopes and dreams. I'm Rowdy McLean, and I'll be talking to you again next week on the Play a Bigger Game podcast. Thank you.